Hi, this is Cheryl Grayson, wide receiver with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, four-time NCAA champ, seven-time NCAA All-American at LSU, and now Super Bowl champion. You're listening to Pro Sports Podcasters, and who's not listening to Pro Sports Podcasters? We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. With your hosts, Nee Wallace Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We have something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Source Podcasters. I'm your co-host, Mr. Neil Wallace-Bruce, and I'm joined by the talented Mr. Kobe Durand, a.k.a. Kobe. Kobe, how are you doing today? I'm all right, buddy. I'm okay. Uh, we're coming out of winter. The weather's already looking nicer. I'm back from a vacation, so it's perfect timing. Won't be able to take full advantage, but I'm rocking, man. Let's go. Hey, you are a little bit banged up, but that means more time in front of the TV, and we got a lot to discuss. A lot to discuss. There's hoops. There's baseball. I guess there's also hockey too, but we got someone who's going to discuss a lot of sports with us. He's joining us from New York. He's an Emmy-nominated sportscaster. You can see him on Prime Video and other outlets. It is the one and only Chris Williamson. Mr. Williamson, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so happy to be on this podcast. Like It is an honor, and I can't wait to dive into all the different topics that we have coming up. Very good, very good. Now, before we get into those topics, let's get into something close to home. Tell us a little bit about your journey because you played for the Syracuse Orange. Uh, you played football, you were a safety, and then you parlayed that into a very successful journalism career that you have right now. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Was that something you always wanted to do? Tell us a little bit more about the Chris Williamson experience. Orange man. Word, word. Yeah, orange man all day. Cuse Nation. Come on now. Ain't nobody uh, taking that from me, but yeah, my journey is one where I, I've loved sports, you know, ever since I can remember, right? I used to watch all the, all the games, you know, late at night, then I watched, I would read the newspaper to see, check the scores and all that. And so I had a love for all the sports from a young age. And then I realized that I wanted to be a journalist when I got cut from my JV team my sophomore year for basketball. And yeah, ever since then, I was like, I'm going to be a broadcaster. And then the football was just, uh, you know, cherry on top. Nice. And um, you cover a range of sports. Do you have like a, do you have someone that mentored you as you went on that journalism journey? Yes, I've had many mentors. Anthony Calhoun, who's a Witch TV uh, sports director in Indianapolis, and Darren Haynes, uh, who was an ESPN anchor and also uh, now anchoring WSA 9 TV in D.C. Uh, those two in particular have been really crucial and uh, impactful in my career and the development. And I encourage everybody to, you know, find, you know, somebody who can be mentored and also who you want to mentor. mentor. So, uh, yeah, those those are two that stick out. Nice. Chris, where about you grow up? So I was born and raised in Washington, D.C. Okay, so what teams did you grow up kind of like supporting? So I, I was a big fan 
Well, our family is a big fan, you know, Washington football team, you know, the Capitals, the Wizards, not Maryland. I, we were more Duke fans. But, yeah, oh, the Orioles, like, yeah, those were the teams, the Mystics. Those are the teams that uh, we really supported. Like, there's a deep, uh, deep love for it. Okay, and some of those teams have had some past success, some some more recent success. Are you still a Washington fan, or have you moved on to other other net, like other uh, markets? I'm more of a players guy now. Uh, in contrast to you know my childhood, and I had certain teams that I love, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yes, again. If there's any other like specific teams that you've now started to support, but if you're more of a players guy, I'll get right to it. Do you like Kyle Kuzma? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I'm good on him. I mean, he could, but yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nah. But like, like I, I like the Bucks, right? I'm a Giannis guy, uh, Lamar Jackson guy, you know, H. Wilson, Candace Park, all that. So yeah, those are the players that I really root for and. I still root for the Capitals. Yeah, I still root for the Capitals. The Wizards, no. Watch the football team until they get new ownership. Nah. Now, you went to Syracuse. You said you grew up supporting the Blue Devils. Yes. How do you? How have you seen NIL change things? Let's go specifically to now, to March Madness. How much of a role did NIL play? How much of a role did NIL play in March Madness? Yeah. And the teams that qualified. Uh, I mean, the teams that qualified, you know, were individual or teams that qualified when it wasn't NIL. Uh, it was more under the table. Now it's just out and open, <laughs> right? So everybody can flex. So, yeah, you got a $500,000 deal here, $500,000 deal here. But you're seeing the the biggest impact is when you have all these people transferring, right? Yes. Um, because they're getting more money at the college and they get more playing time as well. Right. And that's, that's a crucial component to it in my mind. And yeah, I think it's just heightening the gap between the, the big programs and the, and the small, small programs. Okay. Yeah. And seeing some of these, uh, I guess some of these talisman coaches leaving the sport, like, Coach K, Coach Beheim, I know Tommy Izzo was still there at the time being for Michigan State. How much of an impact did NIL have on that? Uh, it's a great question. You know, I feel like the coaches that complained about NIL and the coaches that, you know, left shortly after NIL or right before, I feel like they just, they don't want to get into that, I guess, back and forth so publicly. I think they like how it could be under the table, nobody would find out, and even if so, it wouldn't be provable. Mm-hmm. That's how I see that. Mm. But you know, it's an interesting, interesting question. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you, you called it out. You, you didn't miss. Like, before we were seeing, and and I, either way is fine with me. I think the players should get something, whether it's their parents getting cars or, you know, houses being purchased, whatever. Uh, but I guess some of these old school coaches are thinking, okay, well, now this player is just going to get his money straight up. Maybe he's not going to respect me as much. I'm yep. done with this or something like that. Perhaps that's the thinking. I don't know. No, I think, yeah, that's the 
that's um there's some truth to that um mm. it's uh, it's like yeah cash how much can you give me more and it's like promises that don't get fulfilled uh mm-hmm. like yeah we'll give you more and and then they end up screwing up the contractor you know backing out and not not you know fulfilling yeah what they said they were going to do and that's a dangerous game um so i'm all for players getting paid um but just need that financial awareness and management and, and making sure people are not taking advantage of them mm-hmm. now speaking of backing out just a quick hit here is there any chance that the Jets back out of a trade with the, the Hackers for Aaron Rodgers? Or is that, is that going to be a thing that happens over the draft weekend? It's Aaron Rodgers. Anything's possible. <laughs> Anything is possible. This man doing a darkness retreat. Coming in and say, like, seven days. Like, what are we doing? Putting the It's just. So, yeah. It's a small chance because. I think the Packers want to get rid of Aaron, even if they want to screw him over. And Aaron's trying to trying to bounce. So, yeah, he wants that. You know, sixty to sixty million dollars. Right. <laughs> I don't know who's. I don't know who's going to pay that outside of maybe New York, and then I don't know who's going to give up a first. So that's another thing. Yeah. But we will watch with interest. I think if the price does go down to a second or a third, maybe those forty ers might come through. But that's just my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to predict anything that happens with Aaron Rodgers. And it, it brings up the question, does, does talent trump all, really? Because you know you're getting a lot of additional baggage if you pick up someone like that. And there's been situations where big moves like that have failed. And there's been situations where big moves like that have, have succeeded. So what a player's worth, I think that question comes up more and more now, especially with NIL as part of the picture. Something I... I wanted to get your opinion on is before NIL and like everyone knows there was payments being made in some sort of way under the table and such. But until you are making legit money, the motivation is there to over succeed with NIL. If you're already getting paid ahead of, ahead of time for being on a team, do you think some of these players, if they get injured are less likely to come back? Um, I mean, no, because the people that we see in college are hungry and desperate to get to the NBA and also, you know, make a lot of money. So maybe there are some some players that do that, but it's like there's still a camaraderie with your teammates, your classmates um, that you're never going to get in these other uh, arenas with NBA or, you know, G League. So, Yeah. I, that's how, yeah, that's how I view that. I think it's a, it's a worthwhile question, but yeah, I think there's fewer than, than more. Okay. So you feel that team, like team solidarity, team strength is a big thing. Are you still in close contact with a lot of your teammates from Syracuse? Yeah, I'm, I'm in close contact with a couple of them, a couple of my Syracuse football teammates and we, we stay in touch, you know, chat up about life and what's going on in our careers and we established that that foundation uh for a great friendship who were the top players that came out of syracuse in your era uh chandler jones nice you no know, defensive end shamarco thomas he didn't he played a lot of special teams he had the starting role for the safety for the steelers at one point but he wasn't able to get there um 
Yeah, who else? Uh, yeah, Zaire Franklin, um, Justin Pugh, Ryan Nassib. Nice. Yeah. yeah, so those are the top, top guys. Should we expect Chandler Jones to continue playing at a high level, or is this is he coming to the end of his career now? Uh, looks like the way he way he showed up or didn't show up uh, this last season. I don't know. I feel like he's trending downwards because everybody expected you know him and Max Crosby to be this to dynamic house. duo. Yeah, yeah, it's the force of nature on each side, and Crosby did his thing, but Chandler has lost lost a step. You know that burst is not there. Uh, the wiggle, right? You got to bend and get at an angle for these plays. It looked that way to me as well, although there could be some issue with management there. I mean, that whole team was, they seem to be a bit unhappy. So <laughs> That is true. He did He did end up getting the uh, the highlight of the year where he sacked, or he got the fumble uh, against Mac Jones, ran in for a touchdown. Yeah, to end the game. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I, now you got me thinking because Chandler Jones with his swim moves and his brother with his, his own swim moves in the in the world of MMA, which one's got the better moves uh, in your humble opinion? You don't have to answer if you feel like uh, you don't want to. No, I think I got to go with, you know, John, right? He is a ridiculous human being. When it comes to his sport and the the technique that you have to have to succeed in that ring is so high, uh, so I'd have to say, yeah, John. All right, there we go. You heard it here first. And speaking of first, we got a game coming up in Toronto. You may have heard about it, Chris. It's the the first WNBA game in Canada. It'll be a preseason exhibition. Chicago Sky coming to town. You're going to be coming up for it. I'm trying to get trying to get this money, you know, as I keep freelancing out here. So I have to spend it wisely. I know and I know I don't know if it's sold out already, but yeah, yeah, it's sold out. So I want yeah, sold out, yeah. At this time, no, nah, I won't be uh won't be coming up, but I definitely would have loved to. I love uh I love Canada. Yeah. What can we expect from the sky this season? Uh you know, Coach Wade He's doing his thing. What are you seeing with them and also around the, the rest of the league in 2023? Yeah, so with the Chicago Sky, they're going to be a, a solid team. You know, even though they've lost almost all of their starters, Kalia Copper is still a really athletic and physical force on the offensive end and, and defensively. Uh, you know, you bring in Courtney Miller from the Connecticut Sun, you know, who can shoot. And knock it down. Um, we got Ruthie Avard, I think, still there. So they're going to be uh, a solid team, but they're not going to be contending for a title. Now, the two teams that people expect to contend, Las Vegas Aces, reigning champs, and then, of course, New York Liberty. They got Brianna Stewart. They get Jacqueline Jones, Courtney Vandersloot. So, and then on the Vegas side, Candace Parker, Kelsey Plum, you know, Chelsea Gray, Jackie Young, Asia Wilson, can't be stopped. Those are the teams that I'm really looking uh, looking for to see if they're going to do some damage in the end. Mm-hmm. The rise of the two super teams and across either side of the country, that's going to be good for the game, right? Oh, absolutely, because you have all these narratives and storylines that will emerge 
uh, throughout the season, all the, the expectations, the spotlight that's going to be on these players, the ups and downs, you know, the fact that they're are predominantly, they're predominantly white on the Liberty side uh, compared to on the Vegas Aces, predominantly black. So there are all these, all these different uh, nuances to the matchups that are going to create interest and engagement from the fans. Wow. You've highlighted something that I actually hadn't considered, but yeah, when I think about it, yes, that's, that's so true. I'm going to be watching it even more interest now. Yeah. Yeah. That he brought up a good point there, man. I, I had not thought of that myself. And do you think that that still makes a, a significant impact even in the realm of sports, whether a team is predominantly black or white? I do. Yeah, I, I do. The way the mainstream media covers white players compared to black players, the way they shun black players from media coverage compared to, you know, skyrocketing, you know, coverage of the white players. Absolutely. It plays a role. And you can, you can see some racial undertones be exposed uh, by the fans of each team, right? So, yeah, it's definitely something that's real. Sign up to SoRare, the ultimate fantasy sports NFT platform. Scout, collect, and trade officially licensed digital player cards. Create teams with cards from your collection and earn points based on your players' real-life performances to compete in a variety of fantasy sports competitions. Showcase your skills and go head-to-head with managers from around the world to rise up the weekly rankings and earn rewards. So Rare is a game that you can play this season and the next and the next and the next. It's almost like a, a dynasty spin on fantasy. It's available in formats such as NBA, MLB, and also football, the world game. All you have to do is sign up, create an account, and then you can start playing. And if you want to go a little bit harder and purchase some limited, rare, or unique cards, you can do that too. But at a base level, this is really just a free, fun way to play with your mates and show who's really in the know when it comes to sports. Because Process Podcasters, we know our thing. But so rare is a chance to go up against us and see who really is the smartest in the room. So hit the link in the show notes and we'll see you on So Rare. Own your game. I'm going to switch it up just a little bit here, but have you followed soccer at all or no? I followed soccer a lot when I was a young kid because, you know, USA women's team or USA men's team and the World Cup and all that. Mm-hmm. And I played soccer as a kid. It's pretty good up until um, like middle school. But yeah, I'm not a huge soccer fan, but I mean, I'm entertained you know, by the big matchups, you know, Olympics and all that World Cup. Okay, so with Team USA making it to the knockout stages again in the most recent World Cup and getting handled by the Netherlands, is there increased interest ahead of the World Cup coming to the U.S., or is it about the same? I think there's increased interest just because, you know, they made some changes, you know, after after the World Cup, and I feel like there's more more of a spotlight on them. Uh, so people are hopeful because they have a lot of young talent. So, yeah. All right. Good, good. Because we're going to share in that World Cup with you guys. And Canada had made their yeah. first appearance in what felt like forever. So we're looking forward We're right. looking forward to it too. And Canada has always been kind of a, a pretty heavy supporter of, of soccer to begin with just because we're so multicultural. We have 
such a huge European right. uh, influence here. So we do follow it pretty closely, but the States has always been kind of a step ahead of us for at least recent years. Right. So it's kind of cool to see them on even footing going into one. I'm looking forward to it. No, absolutely. Yeah. Chris, I wanted to go back to the, the point about, I guess, unconscious biases or inherent biases in coverage. Can we talk about Jokic versus Embiid? Because Nikola Jokic has won the last two MVPs, and Joel Embiid has yet to win one, if I'm not mistaken. How much of that is unconscious bias, in your opinion? Uh, I think it's it plays a role. It's not the be-all, end-all, um, the side factor, but it plays a role. You know, the the voters of the NBA are predominantly white. There have been white writers who have said on record that, hey, I don't, I can't vote for Giannis a third time because they don't make it to the finals. You know, I just can't see that. And then now you have overwhelmingly people side with Jokic, even though you know not that great of a defender. I know he's having his third triple double, but yeah, and B, he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Um, it's like there's a, a stig- um I don't know if his stigma is the right word, but there's a perception about him that he gets left out. And I know he's in the hunt, he's been in the hunt um, in the past, but yeah, it's weird because I would give it to to Giannis, even though he hasn't mm-hmm. played a lot of games this year, but Joe and B is just as deserving in my opinion so yeah that, that plays a role but I, I don't think it's like the most significant you know factor okay yeah for me uh, Giannis is in terms of the, the term most valuable player I would say Giannis is definitely that on his team it's a big difference when he's out Nikola Jokic on the other hand Den- Denver's kind of sandbagging at the moment they're, they're, they're so far ahead in the West that they, they can kind of keep him on ice a little bit in the fourth quarter. They've got pieces around him. Um, he's definitely top five player in the league right now. It is interesting that all three players are non-American. And that's um, that's telling that the, the mm-hmm. Europeans have risen up in the last 25 to 30 years. That's right. But, um, yeah, Giannis and Embiid are definitely players who can hold it down in their own right. Now, I, you mentioned that you're a Commanders fan. So, going with a similar tone or similar theme – the new head coach of the Washington Commanders is now Eric Bieniemy, and the front office is led by Super Bowl champion Doug Williams. So I got to ask Eric Bieniemy first off: Was his long wait to get to a head coach role because of these unconscious biases, and how much of an impact did it ha- have having an African American in a general manager's position? Uh, well, he's not the head coach for the Commanders. Oh, sorry, the um, the OC. I, I, yeah, I'm a year ahead. Him. I'm already imagining <laughs> Rivera retiring. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> yeah so he, yeah, uh, offensive coordinator. And I think it, it's significant, uh, you know, Doug Williams made a decision because we need people who look like us in our in our forest because not all uh, skin folk is skin folk. Um, but, yeah, I think um, it's very important. And Eric Bieniemy had to take a lesser job. He had to take a demotion, really, because of the racist bias that people have in America and, you know, at the ownership level, but also general manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm already, in my mind, I'm already thinking that 
Rivera might have a season or two, maybe retire, and then the enemy will probably step in. But I think that Washington, as a fan, you you can be optimistic. I feel like they're going to have a good season. I think that he, with Rivera's defensive nous and Vietnamese ability to to get so much potential out of the offense, and then you guys are going to be surprising people in NFC East. I hope so. And we just need to get rid of Dan Snyder. When he sells a team, that would be a brighter, a really great day. Well, I, I heard that he and Tanya have cleared out the office over there at um, I forget what the, the I think whatever the place is called. But I hear that yeah, there are, there are rumblings towards that. I don't know if the team's going to be renamed the Washington Amazonians <laughs> or the the Washington Book Boys or something. But um, nah. change, change the name every year. <laughs> nah, bro. I mean, yeah, it's trending that way, but until I see it happen. And clear, white and black, you know, black and white. I ain't moving. I ain't. I ain't getting excited because it's been I hear that. going on for so long. I hear that absolutely. Yeah, I'm gonna bring it back to the MVP talk you guys were on, but I'm looking at the NFL. Do you feel like the NFL should have a separate category for quarterbacks and then league MVP encompassing everything? But uh, you know, it's a great question. I think I wouldn't mind that because it's becoming just a QB. Award, all right. Mm-hmm. So, who is the best quarterback? Okay, all right. Let's get into that. Joe Burrow, huh? Jalen Hurts, huh? Lamar Jackson, huh? All you, okay. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I'm wishing it would go that way because I feel like there's a lot of fantastic players that get overlooked because they're not QBs. Oh, so so many times, so many times. Like Saquon Barkley was on uh, at one point. He was on his way to get an MVP. I mean, he was still like a dark horse, but he was carrying that giant scene uh, with his, you know, blocking ability, you know, catching passes out the backfield. We know what he can do as an explosive runner. Yeah, it's just, it's sickening. I would have liked to have seen Justin Jefferson get it this year. Oh, yeah, Justin Jefferson. Yeah. That's a a candidate I'm not sticking my nose up at, at at all. Yeah, that's respect. Even if they don't want to do it exactly that way, to have some kind of an award for other positions would be fantastic. But say la vie, I know they want to keep the tension on the QBs. It's a QB-driven league, and that's the poster child. Exactly. They're going to probably they're gonna do whatever to make sure those those boys are good. Like, whatever you need, whatever you need. Although some of the black ones, they're not getting that type of royal treatment. Let's uh-huh. say you got a chance to own the Washington Commanders, and you can pick one quarterback to run your team. Who are you picking? Oh, Patrick Mahomes, baby. So you are you are a, a, a believer when it comes to Mahomes. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Okay. Oh, there. Okay, right? okay. Dude, the most talented quarterback we ever seen. He surpassed Rodgers. I'm sorry. I disagree. I disagree. Uh-uh, <laughs> no, uh-uh, nope. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is a magic god. Okay, Aaron Rodgers is a god. But Patrick Mahomes is a magic guy. All right. See, I, I see it as Patrick Mahomes is extremely talented, got a killer arm, can improvise, but has benefited from being on one of the most stacked teams in the league since the jump. Bro, this is homegrown, though, baby. He's homegrown. <laughs> what, you know what I'm saying? He, he didn't have a whole bunch of weapons this year, right? You know what I'm saying? He lost Tyreek Hill. I know he had Travis. Juju played well until he got hurt. And then McCole Harmon. 
So that showed to me he could do it, and then he's doing it with a bum ankle, right? Uh, after he injured the AFC Championship game, and then uh, Super Bowl, so he's benefited from you know being on great teams. But uh, yeah, nah, Patrick Mahomes, talent wise, yeah, <laughs> nobody yeah, so better. Nobody better. I don't think he injured that ankle too that too badly. Okay, that's that's number one. I think I yeah, think I, I think that yeah, was played I mean, up in case they lose. They had an excuse for why they lost. And in the super in, in the know. Super Bowl, yeah. he was the second best quarterback. Yes, yes, he was. Okay, he was second. Yeah, Jalen Hurts did outplay him significantly. J- Jalen Hurts should have gotten the MVP in the Super Bowl, even as the loser. Yeah, that's what people were saying. Yeah. But hey, Pat Mahomes, he worked with that short field sometimes, the turnovers, and made it happen. <laughs> he didn't have to work like his numbers did not show the impact he had on the game. Like, oh, he threw out those like. 186 yards or something. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like, you know, an elite game. But the the ballers, the dogs, you know what I'm saying, the killers, when they want a moment, they seize it. And that's what Patrick Mahomes did. Got the chance, opportunity, defense, do what they did, and boom, cooking. Eric Bieniemy cooking. Andy Reid cooking. Let's go. You're obviously a KC fan. I'm not, dude. I'm not. I'm a – I'm a Patrick Mahomes fan. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> like I, I wanted I wanted the Eagles to win for Jalen, um, but it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, I was hoping the Eagles win that one, to be honest. I was hoping they would take it, but say la vie, man. Say la vie. I, I'm just happy that there were two black quarterbacks there, to be honest. So, I, I know. I, I, only three have won the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Doug Williams, we mentioned before, Russell Wilson and Mahomes now. So, yeah. Hopefully, we see some more. Let's go back to because you raised a good point about quarterbacks. Some getting treated well, some not getting treated well. Can we talk about roughing the roughing the pass for the moment? <laughs> oh my god! Yep, Kobe, you know exactly what I'm talking about <laughs> oh, because Tom, Tom Brady, he's retired. Yep, he had a great career. Thanks for everything he did over the last 20 years. Great. Someone breathes on him, roughing the passer 15 yards. Lamar Jackson gets sacked, or um, Jalen Hurts gets sacked, and he's like. No, no, that's a sack. It's all good. Uh, do you feel like these athletic quarterbacks, these quarterbacks that can run, get the wrong end of the stick when it comes to, I guess, quarterback protection in a league where the quarterback is glorified so much? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Yes. There is definitely a double standard in the way the quarterbacks are treated. You got black quarterbacks that are outspoken and they're passionate. They're not going to get no calls, you know, that are rightfully rough in the passers. They're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Lamar Jackson, you know what I'm saying? Cam mm-hmm. Newton, you know, when he was in his prime. <laughs> Russell, all those players. Yeah, they, it's a lot of pushback, okay? It's a lot of pushback. It's like, you know what it is? It, 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 yeah, it's an unconscious bias of these people thinking about the players as being able to take more pain. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So... I think that's it. Yes. That, that, that's a factor. Because, yeah, I mean, Kansas pretty much beaten to within an inch of retirement. I mean, I know he's doing the pro day for Auburn. Yeah. They should really rename the stadium after him, after what he yeah. did for the national championship. But, um, yeah, guys like him, guys like Lamar, the, these players would last a lot longer if they got a little bit more protection. And then it's a double-edged – it's like a vicious cycle because then Lamar's trying to get his money – and then Baltimore's using the same injury history <laughs> against him because 
uh, they're saying, oh, you're you're injury prone, even though the the league's not really doing much to protect him out there. No, they're not. And he gets injured in the pocket because of lack of uh, offensive line help. And it's so sad because yeah, he's missed, you know, I guess a solid number of games the last couple of years to injuries. And I don't even know if it's personal between the Ravens and Lamar or just like just business. Like, yeah, I'm not giving it fully guarantee. I want that to be the kind of precedent. Lamar is like, I want that guarantee. Like, how can we get there? You know, I think that's that's what's going on. And I, I'm not mm-hmm. sure how it's all going to play out, but I hope they resolve it. And I felt, I did feel, though, like the the non-exclusive franchise tag was disrespectful. It was, I think, $8 million less than what the uh, just the regular franchise tag is. I mean, there's that aspect. There's the financial aspect, and then, I guess Baltimore will hide behind the fact that they're saying, oh, well, he's a franchise quarterback. And even though Deshaun Watson was traded, franchise quarterbacks don't come around often. So to use uh, flowery language, we want to get the best compensation for our quarterback, which will be the form of two first rounders. Yeah. But yeah, it's really them making a business decision. We're going to pay this guy as little as we can if we can do it. Right. And Lamar ain't going for that. And I applaud him. Doesn't make it, it, it also does, uh, it's also not, you know, helpful that he doesn't have an agent. When you're trying to pull off a fully guaranteed deal, uh, with over like 200 million. Yeah. I think an agent would have been smart. Now, yeah. Just getting, you know, highest paid QB, highest paid left tackle, whatever. Okay. Cool. You can make those deals. We see it in Laramie Tunsil. Um, we've got, there's another guy. Oh, uh, the Ravens guy as well. I think it was the linebacker or somebody. Yeah, you got it. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Anyway, we'll watch this space. And we're going to watch your space. We're going to follow your tra- travels and your journey as you go along. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Chris, where can our listeners find you on social media? So, y'all can find me on Twitter at CWilliamson44. Once again, CWilliamson44. And then Instagram, CWilliamsonTV9. Fantastic. Awesome to have you on, buddy. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our Insider Tips, Sponsor Giveaways, and Insider Newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcast's experience, where no sport is left behind.